All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the third episode of the Be Great With Your Money podcast. My name is James Anderson. That's at I am JD Anderson on social media. Hey, guys, we got a great episode planned for you today. Hey, listen, we're going to talk about bad money habits today. So let's get rolling. All right, well, we're ready to rock and roll. Hey, listen, guys, first off, I gotta apologize. I usually roll these guys out on Monday. I'm actually a day late, and the reason being is because I was sick as a dog over the uh, Labor Day weekend. I mean, I struggled for a few days. I got out the house a little bit, but I missed all types of birthday parties. I missed the barbecues. I missed everything out there. I've been in the house. Big shout out to my wife, Crystal Anderson. Uh, she hung out with me. She nursed me back, and uh, I'm feeling good today. So I'm really get back into it, and I'm super excited because I always get really, really excited when I get pumped up. You know, especially after I come from like a, a non-scheduled break. <laughs> you know, it's kind of you know what those things is kind of forced upon you. You think about so many things that you actually got to do. So when you're ready to get back and rolling, we're we're just ready to get 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 it going. So I'm super excited about this episode because we're going to talk about bad habits. And here's the thing. I kind of um, structured this episode a little bit differently uh, because I combed through a lot of resources I had. I'm talking about Facebook messages, uh, uh, people that tweeted at me in my direct, um, my uh, DM on Twitter, um, a lot of a lot of different resources, comments. I look back on old posts, of course, some resources that I saw online that I shared with my email list. Um, I just wanted to make sure that I kind of kind of gathered all my resources for this for this actual episode because when you talk about habits there's a bunch of them out there and i'm going to start this off like this you know we're going to go through each habit and i'm going to share some of my thoughts some of my responses that i shared with other individuals that that kind of you know was similar to the habits that i have here on my list i kind of picked out some of the most important ones that i thought were really really critical and um, I think it's going to be a good experience. It's going to provide a lot of value here in this episode. But let's talk about habits real quick with regards to personal finance. If you guys do not know who Dave Ramsey is, uh, he's one of like the financial kings in uh, in uh, personal finance. You know, he has a total money makeover, you know, entree leadership books, a bunch of different books out there that's great as far as personal finance. A lot of, a lot of great material that he actually have. Some of this stuff you know, I definitely agree with the majority of the stuff. There's a few different qualms I have with a few things, but hey, every system is not perfect for everybody's opinion and there's nothing wrong with that, but highly recommend you at least check him out. But he has a famous, 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 famous quote that he always says is this, is that personal finance is 80% behavior and only 20% book knowledge. Let me run that back again. He said, personal finance is 80% behavior and only 20% book knowledge. So it all talks about habits and behavior and what you're actually doing with your money. And I want to make sure that we at least capture this one time on the Be Great With Your Money podcast. It's super duper important that we understand what some of these habits are. So let's go ahead and dig right into them. And uh, let's talk about some of the bad uh, money habits that people have talked about, you know, some things I pulled from the internet, some resources like Forbes magazine, Business Insider, some things on my, uh, like say Facebook messages all over, all over, all over, all over. So let's, um, the first one I want to definitely talk about is, um, 
excuse me, the first thing I want to talk about is um, number one is spending your money every single day. That's like buying a bunch of lunches, buying coffee, buying snacks and everything, um, you know, throughout your working day. Now, here's the thing that you guys have to understand. You know, you, you understand that everybody has their qualms. Everybody loves their Starbucks, their Big B coffees, their Caribou coffees, their Dunkin' Donuts coffees. I get that, but it can become very pricely if you start adding it up, especially if you're on a kind of in a money pinch, if you got some money issues and things of that nature. Um, and really, we have to focus on where our money is really going. So if you buy coffee in the morning, you get the latte or whatever, and then you might get a bagel or something with it. And then you go grab a lunch, you know, at a restaurant where you got to leave a tip. And then you get that 2 p.m., 3 p.m. crash, you know, at your desk. You're trying to get, you know, re reinvigorated again. And then you hit the vending machine or you hit the cafe or whatever the things are. You know, you can really turn every day into a $20 day, a $20 to $25 day if you think about it. And then if you add that up over your working days of the month, most people work 20 to 22 days out the month. You're looking at anywhere from 400 to 500 to sometimes even $600 that you're spending on a monthly basis. So what I tell people is this, and I know this isn't the best advice that um, some of the fitness people are going to give you, okay? Um, but... You know, number one, brew your coffee or brew your tea at home. That's a quick way to save some soup, save some money. And you get to make it exactly the way you like it. I mean, I'm kind of picky like that, so I like to make my own stuff. And, um, you know, I like to drink some of the healthier coffees and things of that nature. So I brew my stuff at home. Um, unfortunately, I have to because I like a certain type of brand that, you know, most stores don't carry. I order it, um, and it comes in. It's a little bit healthier. It helps lower blood pressure and things like that. So that's why... I, I choose um, that one for myself. For you, it could be coffee. It could be tea. Get yourself a coffee maker. But when you talk about lunches, you know, I'm going to get cream for some of the health gurus. I'd rather trade. Um, <laughs> I feel nervous saying this. I'd rather trade production over eating any day. So that means I'd rather work than to go eat, you know, no matter if my stomach's cringing or not. I'd rather trade production over eating every day. So I feel as though if I can get more done and be more productive, then I'm always going to opt for that instead of eating lunch. Um, and of course, you know, the snacks, you know, just make sure that you be uh, pretty much just understand that, hey, you're spending a super duper overpriced product, especially if you're getting something from like a cafe inside of an office building or a vending machine. I mean, come on, you get a smaller bag of chips for $1.25. Just think about it. Like you're, you're paying two to three times the cost. So those are some of the things I always offer people with some advice with regards to that particular money habit, which is basically making your uh, days every single day expensive by just buying food items. Another uh, big, 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 big money, bad money habit that individuals have is it's kind of serious. It's, you know, tapping into your retirement savings for extra money or because you got a hardship. And that is probably some of the, you know, worst thing that you can actually do. Um, I know some people who are really financially savvy, they're going to hear this podcast. They're going to say, well, James, you know, in times of downturn, it's best to take all your money out on a loan and pay back your interest yourself and all this and all that. Yeah, that is absolutely true. But a lot of people don't take that strategy with as far as where the market is at. They take the money out of the 401k or take the penalties or take the loans basically because they have a financial hardship because they do not actually have any emergency savings. That's just the bottom line, guys. So 
what ends up happening is that not only do you actually um, miss out on any growth that you particularly have, but you have what's called dollar cost average. And I'm not going to go into it very heavy right here. But basically, when you have more money in a pot, you can buy more shares, you can buy um, more of the investment as of if you took that money out. And now you miss out on all types of, you know, uh, potential gains, you know, you're missing out with opportunity costs and all different types of things when you tap into your retirement money earlier. Now, the thing is, is that that's why the government hits you with a penalty because they want you to keep the money in there for your actual retirement savings and just allow it to grow. So definitely the biggest thing I tell individuals to eliminate this is to make sure you got a fully funded emergency fund. A beginner's emergency fund is going to be anywhere between three to $5,000. That's a beginner's emergency fund. And then of course, a fully funded emergency fund is going to be three to six months of living expenses fully. Um, you can even do three to six months of your actual salary, you know, the money you actually bring in to have a little extra cushion. And that will really get you squared away for where you need to be at. And you really wouldn't have to ever tap into your retirement funds for extra money unless there's some extreme, extreme, extreme circumstances. But you're really losing out on any potential gain that you can have. And trust me, Nobody ever puts the money back or pay back their 401k loans as fast as they want to, to recover from it. So that's not really a big, that's, that's just kind of a big no, no for me. Um, here's another one, having no insurance, you know, putting off insurance, whether it's uh renter's insurance, life insurance, uh, need I need, I say auto insurance for some of the people out there, but here's the thing. Your insurances are going to basically help you out with things that you cannot cover in your own cost, um, with, with your own money. So a lot of individuals that have life insurance are individuals that simply they need to be able to replace their income, you know, um, in, for the death when they pass away, unfortunately, you know, between their spouse or their kids. And general rule of thumb for life insurance, you want 10 times what you make in a year. So if you make $50,000, you need five hundred. Uh, $1,000 to $600 to $750,000. Um, I'll just go, if you're young and you can afford it, just go ahead and pop a million dollar term policy on yourself. It's not that, it's not that expensive. And it gives you that, that sensibility that if something were to happen that your family could be taken care of. Because remember, um, insurance, life insurance particularly is just income replacement. Okay. Now, when you talk about renter's insurance and homeowner's insurance, that stuff is so cheap, guys. It is super duper duper cheap. Um, renter's insurance, you can get into that for like 20 bucks, especially if you got like auto insurance along with it, it can usually make your auto insurance and a bundle policy a little bit cheaper. And it'll actually cover the cost of the renter's insurance. If you just had an auto insurance by yourself. So it's super duper cheap to get, and you can cover just say you cover 10 or $15,000, nothing huge for say your apartment. Or of course <clears throat> you need a lot more if you got a homeowner's insurance, but just think about renter's insurance because a lot of people are written these days. Um, it's very economical. It's keeping them very, very mobile. And it's real, real, real simple. See, we know that things happen and you have to make sure that you have some insurances. And of course, you know, I shouldn't have to mention this, but of course, it's uh, not legal to, to ride around in your car without some type of insurance. Even if it's no fault insurance, you need to have some type of insurance in your car because between the auto and the renter, and the life insurance, those are the top three things I see families struggle with with regards to not having insurance for proper coverage. 
people get into a wreck. They they got to replace their vehicle. So a family member dies, and now they're trying to scrape together money using GoFundMe and things of that nature to um, raise funds. And of course, you know, renters insurance. You know, the you know the the apartment next door to yours caught on fire. You wasn't even you was not you wasn't home, and now all your stuff got smoke damage or even burned down. Things like that you know, are things that you can just mitigate and they're really, really simple. They're really, really cheap. Um, I, you know, I, I use a gauge, you know, for, but if you're in your thirties, you know, you can get like a term policy for life insurance, 250,000. If you're a healthy person for less than 25 bucks a month, it's super duper cheap. So definitely look into that. Let's get into something that I find kind of, kind of, uh, funny, but I am, but, but it's very, very serious because, it's one of those things that we talked about when people get trapped in a game called capitalism. So here's the thing. Only paying the minimum on your credit card balance. So many times people people message me and they say, well, James, I'm paying all my minimums. I'm paying off my bills. I'm doing great with my money. And, you know, I feel good. Now, I don't downplay them. I think that's a great thing that they're finally getting ahead of the curve. They're finally you know, at least making their bills. But then the next thing I'm going to say, well, you know, just paying the minimum on that credit card balance is really, really, really causing you to get some significant rises in interest rates. See, the thing is, if if every month that passes by, whatever that balance is, you're just getting that 25, 30%, whatever interest rates that you have, um, on your credit card balance, they're just racking up and racking up and racking up. And a lot of credit card companies only require you to pay like one, two, three, four percent of what the total balance is. So if you got a two thousand dollar balance, they might only have you pay anywhere from twenty to sixty dollars. And out of that majority of that money, that twenty or sixty dollars that you pay, most of it is just going to go to interest and not particularly the principle of what the balance is. So what does that mean? If you have a larger principal and you have an interest rate, the larger the principal, the more you have to pay in interest, okay? The smaller the principal on the loan that you owe, the less the interest will be because obviously a lower amount, same interest rate, lower amount that you have, and then more of your minimal payment will go towards the principal balance. So you got to make it a habit. <clears throat> serious, serious. This is so serious. You got to make it a habit to really pay more than you need each and every single month, if not pay it off, okay? Because um, you're just going to run yourself into the ground with interest payments, and then you'll look up, and it could be five years later, and you still not have paid off that couple thousand dollars in credit card, in that credit card balance. So you want to make sure that you make more, you want to make more on a payment, and even if you have a bank and I mentioned this in another episode, even if you have a bank that makes it kind of hard for you to apply uh, money towards the principal, write them a check and in the memo box, say Prince apply to principal only. So have your account number and then apply to principal only in the memo box of the check. Yes, you got to write a check. This is the way to get around it. And then from there, you can apply that money straight to the principal and not to just the interest only. So that's one big thing that people have to get out the habit of. You have to understand cash flow management and you have to make sure that you're not, you're not paying too much in interest on these credit cards. You know, you shouldn't have them at all, but we know that some of you guys out there are going to have them. And Warren Buffett said this, this is a super duper quote that Warren Buffett said, and it stuck to me ever since I heard him say it. He said this, Warren Buffett, 
He said, no one is going to get wealthy by giving away 18 to 25% of their money. American household cannot get wealthy if they're giving 18 to 25% away on every dollar that they spend. And he's talking with regards to credit cards. I'm paraphrasing, of course, with what he said. But it's huge. It's huge when you understand that. Like, whoa, like every single dollar I have, I'm paying 18. Imagine, imagine you had to give me a quarter on every single dollar you have. <clears throat> a quarter. It's crazy. Crazy, guys. We, we, we're going to talk about credit cards in another episode. Let's keep moving here. Um, one of the biggest things, too, is um, I... I'm going to go more into the behavior aspect. Let me see if I can pull this one out. This is a good one here. Saving only when you have what's left over, okay? So this is the big thing that people struggle with. You know, it we've been conditioned in the financial society now in America that, you know, you made a, a, a true accomplishment if you paid all your bills. You know, you say, I paid all my bills. I'm doing good. But here's the thing. When you only save what's left over after you spend up all your money, I can guarantee you it's going to be less than uh, what you would have saved if you would have paid yourself first. See, this is going to go towards mindset, and bear with me here. When you make money, when you bring in income into your household, that income is for you and your family, okay? That income is to take care of you guys. That income is for your life. You went out and worked hard for it. You know, you built your business, you worked 40 hours at the, at, at the job. It doesn't matter. You know, you did some things on the side. You made the money. You made the money. So therefore, the money is most important for you. And since that, if you take that mindset, then you will understand that the first one that has to get paid off of your hard-earned your hard earned money needs to be you. So you have to take this mantra of save, or sorry, excuse me. You have to take this mantra of pay yourself first, saving first before you pay anything out. So when I have money coming to the household, there's a certain percentage I take to set aside for myself before anybody else get money. I don't care if it's Comcast. I don't care if it's, you know, cell phone. I don't care if it's the internet. I don't care who it is. I get that money first. And I'd be really strict and real diligent with that because that's a very quick way to build up your savings. Make yourself a bill. Pay the bank of yourself first. Think about it as that the, that's the first person that's going to come knock on your door and want their money is the bank of yourself. So on my budget, I have Bank of James and Crystal, and I put a certain percentage of money every single dollar that comes into that house. I take a certain percentage of that and I chuck it away. Now, what you can end up doing is building a great emergency savings with that money. Um, you can also build uh, full emergency savings with that money. You can start using that money for investment opportunities and things like that. And it'll start to accumulate over time because just imagine if every single dollar you made in your life for the last 10, 15 years, you took 20% of that, 20, 25% of that, and you put it away of all the money that came through your household. Think about it. How much money would you have just set aside in savings if you just set that money away? So you, we have to get out of the habit of only saving when it, what's left over. See, if we pay all our bills and pay all our expenses and we get down and we got this certain amount of money left and then we're going to save some of that, well, that's the wrong way to approach it. We have to make sure we pay ourselves off the top because that's what's going to help our, us build momentum with as far as our savings. 
another one here. Uh, this is a big one that comes in at uh, any type of personal financial uh, conference, any type of conferences where people are talking about housing. They always ask this question, how much should I spend on housing or am I spending too much on housing? Now, this is a very, very, very vague topic, but let me paint a picture for you here. So just imagine if you got a household that makes that brings in $5,000 a month, okay? So that's $60,000 a year, whoop-de-doo. But here's the thing. Some people have mortgages basically in a monthly basis, monthly payments of somewhere between fifteen dollars to $1,600 every single month. Now, if you bring in $5,000 a month, the general rule of thumb is to have somewhere between fifteen to 25% of your take-home pay as your housing expense. So what does that mean? If you bring home $5,000 a month, that's $1,250 every, you know, $1,250 is 25% of that, then your mortgage and your payments and your homeowners, your mortgage, your taxes, um, your P, if you got PMI, all that stuff should equate to $1,250. Now, I've seen people okay, have mortgages with that same income with mortgages of $1,300, $1,400, $1,500, $2,000. And what happens is, is that that becomes a big, big, big burden on you guys. And you start, you know, you, you can't never really get ahead because your mortgage payment is just so aggressive on your budget. So <clears throat> I usually like to tell people to go um, to the 15% range of what their income is. So if you had uh, $5,000 actually coming in there, um, you're probably looking at somewhere around, I think it's going to be 900 bucks is going to be where you're going to, no, sorry, sorry, excuse me. If you got $5,000 coming in and you're talking about 15%, you're probably looking to wear some around, around the $800 range, which is not bad. But what happens is, is now you can build momentum uh, with regards to your budget and get rid of get it out of debts and you don't have too much house that you actually can't afford so somewhere between 15 to 25 percent i say is a good range and then if you can't really find a decent you know, a lot of people say well i don't make that much money so if i spend that much i'm only gonna have 400 i can't find a house like that okay then you got an income problem and you need to up your income so that way that now your house budget can be a little bit larger and you got more leeway and more headroom to play with when it comes down to your money. So that's absolutely, absolutely critical, guys. Never have too much house. Um, I even know some people that have 25% of their monthly income going towards just vehicles and car notes and leases. That's, that's horrendous. So individuals can have 50% of their take-home pay going towards vehicles and the house. What about utilities? What about health insurance? What about, you know, entertainment? What about saving? What about investing? What about emergency fund? What about, you know, giving away to charity, tithes and offering? What about all those other things that really do matter and you got 50% of your money going to just the car and the roof over your head? And we're not talking about even insuring things, gassing it up, and we ain't even cover food yet. It's ridiculous what some of these numbers are out here. Okay. <clears throat> Another one for you guys here. Um, I, I love this one. <laughs> this is going to probably, I'm going to jab this at the ladies a little bit here, but impulse shopping, you know, I get the question all the time, you know, James, how can I stop my wife from shopping so much? What are some of your tips? Or the ladies will say, you know, I just, I just buy things on the whim. Um, and that's all I, you know, that's all I particularly do. 
and I don't mean to do it, but I just see some things and I just grab it. Okay, look, we're all been guilty of doing some impulse shopping here or there. I mean, get me in front of Amazon and just allow me to click around. It, it can get real bad real quick. So impulse shopping, one of the things that I always say, um, especially if you're in a store or anything like that, go in with cash, okay? Go in with cash, go in with money. Because if you go in with money and you make the commitment to yourself that you're only going to spend this set amount of money, you once you run out of that cash, you just don't have it. And go to the register and, and you know, try it. Go in the store with just cash. Leave your debit card in the car. Leave your purse in the car. Leave your wallet in your car. Go in with just cash, the money in your pocket, and then do your shopping. Now, when you get to the register and you only got 50 bucks and the, and the thing comes up to 60 bucks, $63, you're going to be looking at yourself and you're going to say, okay, now what can I really sacrifice and put back? That's one thing right there. The second thing is this, okay? Stop playing with snakes, okay? A lot of individuals say, you know, I'm just going to get some air and I'm just going to walk around a mall. I'm going to walk around Best Buy. I'm going to walk around Walmart. I'm walking around, uh, you know, Myers or something like that. Listen, stop playing with snakes. Do not kill time by going window shopping because if you have some money in your pocket or you have access to funds, it's probably going to leave your wallet, okay? So stop playing with snakes. If you want to go walk around, do like I do. I go walk around a park where it's hard to even find a freaking water fountain around here, and you're not going to spend any money. Um, a lot of individuals like to walk around the downtown or metropolitan areas. You can get caught up down here too. Uh, so just stop playing with snakes. If you want to walk around, find yourself an empty park, find yourself someplace where you're not going to spend a lot of money and you know, you really don't have the choice to spend any money and you'll be all set. So that's one of the key things I, I try to tell people when they talk about impulse shopping, you know, use cash if you are going to do some shopping and that's it. Just have your cash on you. And then the second thing is make sure you don't play with snakes and don't do any type of, uh, you know, walking around in stores and window shopping. All right. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break here from this podcast. We got a quick message for us and then we're going to be back very shortly and then we'll continue on with the second part of this episode. My name is James Anderson, your host, your facilitator of the Be Great With Your Money podcast. Hey guys, James Anderson here. Have you ever been stranded on the side of the road because you ran out of gas or your car just overheated? How about locking yourself outside of your vehicle? I'm telling you guys, that's me. I always lock myself out. But here's the thing. When you have an auto emergency, you tend to not make the best financial decisions and could quickly put yourself in a money snafu. In order to prevent that chaos, we have to make sure our vehicles are covered with a high quality roadside assistance program. That's number one, affordable and number two, accessible. That's why I love Road Ashore. Whether it's towing, needing some gas, or perhaps you just want to get a tire change, Rotashore is always available 24-7, 365. You just call a simple toll-free number, and then for less than a few cups of coffee, you can be totally covered. And check this, you even get a 30-day free trial with the program. So you can roll on over to jda-solutions.com forward slash auto, A-U-T-O, jda-solutions.com forward slash auto to review the benefits and get going today. Listen, don't let being stuck on the side of the road cause you not to be great with your money. Again, that's jda-solutions.com forward slash A-U-T-O. 
All right, welcome back. Hey, we got a few more of these bad habits we're going to cover, and we're going to, you know, of course, talk about some ways that you could probably stop and change them and flip them and make it better for your finances so that you can actually be great. So now what I'm going to jump into, I'm going to jump into just a couple more, but there are these are the big ones. These are the huge ones. The huge ones. These are the ones that really make my skin crawl when I hear people actually have these these issues going on. And I try to help them um, and provide value so they can kind of flip it around and try do something different with their money. So here we go. A tremendously horrible habit with your money is spending every single penny that you earn. That's living paycheck to paycheck, guys. That is ridiculous in so many regards uh, with regards to your money. Because if you spend every single dollar that you own, between your housing, between your entertainment, between your utilities, if you spend every single thing that you own, it goes back to what I was saying about paying yourself first. But if you you don't do that and you just spend every single thing that you own, you have no buffer. You have no leeway. You, you, you're not going to be saving. You're not going to be investing. You're not going to be putting paying yourself first if you spend every single dollar that you own. And that is the worst possible position you can put yourself in financially because you one... One little small emergency can just knock you out. See, the stats say that 46% of people can't even cover a $400 emergency. $400, they can't cover that emergency. And 76% of people can't cover a $1,000 emergency. Well, let me give you an example of a $400 emergency, something that just simply happened um, a couple of days ago with my wife. You know, older lady, very nice old lady, but she didn't see my wife's car. She backed right into it, crushed the headlight, the fender, and uh, the, her car is right now at the shop getting fixed. Well, guess what? To get that little damage fixed, it wasn't that big deal, but to get it fixed, the car run and drive, fine. It was, it was fine. We drove it right to the shop, but that was $603 to get that fixed. 603 bucks to get it fixed. And that's just a simple emergency. Let me give you guys another one. I happen to uh, be driving to Detroit and, you know, Metro Detroit area got some of the worst roads ever. And I, you know, there was no cone, there was nothing near it. And it was literally a, almost like a gaping hole. It wasn't, it wasn't even a pothole. I don't even know what to call it. It was ridiculous. Drove over that guy, bam, knocked out two rims and two tires. Well, to replace the rims, replace the tires, I mean, that was another $500 emergency. So it can be really small, subtle things, but those things can knock people off. They spend every single thing that they particularly earn. And I, and I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm really strong about this feeling. You know, I don't, I don't hold back a lot of my, my, my verbiage and things like that. I tell it how it is. I tell the truth, but I really kind of get with people on this one because you, you can't, Operate in life where you take all your money and you literally give it away to everybody. And you're doing nothing for yourself. It doesn't make any sense. You're setting yourself up for failure. And really, you're on the way to financial disaster. So make sure that you understand. We you know Ruri said earlier in the in this episode, pay yourself first, make that a habit. Get rid of this bad habit of spending everything you own earn and start focusing on some other ways you can kind of get your money to start working for you. The second thing I see people struggle with all the time is this. This is a terrible, terrible money habit, and it's operating financially without a plan. See, when you come, when it comes down to money, you just can't shoot from the hip. You just can't wing it, as you know, as we say. You just can't, you know, just take it off the top of your head. No, you have to have an operating plan that you're working with 
for your financial goals. See, if you go to a new place that you've never been before, okay, if somebody give you an address to say, hey, come meet me on the side of town, uh, come pick me up and uh, give me a ride, the first thing you're going to do when you get in your car is that you're going to put that address, bam, right into your GPS, put it into your phone, your GPS unit, whatever you got, and it's going to give you step-by-step, turn-by-turn uh, directions to get to your destination. Well, that's the same thing you need to do with your money. You need to set yourself up with a tremendous plan that can help you out, that can get you to your goals that you're trying to hit, whether it's you want $500,000 in the bank, a million dollars in the bank, two, $2 million in the bank, $20 million in the bank, Whatever it is that you're trying to get done with your money and your investments, you need to have some type of written plan to help yourself out and get yourself going. And um, I think that is very, very critical because too many times, especially if you have, especially if you're trying to get out of debt, especially if you're trying to set up your goals for the future, you have to know every single step of the way, what are you supposed to do? This money is supposed to go here. That money is supposed to go here. This is supposed to be invested here. It's tremendous, tremendous, tremendous bad habit that people have to say, I'm going to fix myself financially, but yet they don't ever put the pen to the paper or ever make the actual plan to get themselves going. So all the time, the first things I do when I work with individuals, I say, okay, let's formulate the plan. Let's get things together. And here's what I'm going to do here because we're talking about this and I'm really passionate about making a plan financially is that I'm going to throw an offer out here, okay? What I want you guys to do here, I want you to go over to jda-solutions.com forward slash cash flow, jda-solutions.com forward slash cash flow. And what you're going to have there is you're going to get a seven-day free trial. We're going to give you a seven-day free trial on the cash flow manager software that I use that I help individuals to actually um, build their financial plan um, that actually can dedicate their roadmap to build you a debt stacking system. It builds your investment plan. It also gives you an expense tracker for tax purposes or home purposes. It's a tremendous, tremendous component that I use. And I'm going to put that out there. And I think that's something that you guys can sign up for. It's free for seven days. You cancel before the seven day. You don't pay anything. But that's JDA-Solutions forward slash cash flow. C-A-S-H-F-L-O-W. JDA-Solutions forward slash cash. JDA-Solutions.com forward slash cash flow. That's going to be an offer that I'm going to put you guys out there because I think that is having a written plan is absolutely tremendous uh, when you're dealing with finances. So let's jump back here onto another uh, bad money habit that I think is, um, you know, kind of one of the, it's kind of a quasi habit, but it's kind of got two things mixed into it. But number one, not taking advantage of the tax benefits or the 401k match at your job. Okay. So many decent jobs and fortune 500 companies, they offer usually some type of 401k or some type of savings plan where you can get kind of a dual benefit. Number one, if they have a match, that's awesome because if you put a certain type of percentage in there, they'll match you dollar for dollar and 50 cents on a dollar, 90 cents on a dollar, whatever it is, it's free money, okay? There's nowhere else that you're going to get free money, all right? So take at least advantage of whatever percentage that they actually match. And then obviously the second benefit that you can that you utilize is obviously the tax deductions. That if you put, say, $10,000 into your 401k in the calendar year in the tax season, well, guess what? You get $10,000 deducted from what your actual gross income is. What that then does is lower your tax liability and ultimately you pay less taxes. 
Now, if you're really savvy, you can then take that amount that you're going to get as far as the deduction and adjust your W-4 and then now bring even more cash flow into your household and use that for either debt elimination, investing, and things of that nature. So it could be a huge, huge benefit if you know what you're doing. Um, you always want to speak to a person that can help you out with that. Um, usually some type of investment um, personnel. Um, don't, you know, I always tell people, unless the person is grounded in personal finance, don't listen to your coworkers that they probably don't know what they're talking about. You want to get some investment advice from a tax professional, or at least a person that knows something about personal finance and understand that you can utilize your 401k for a dual purpose. Number one, get the free money on your return with as far as the match. Number two, obviously use, utilizing the tax benefits that come along with it. And if you can be really savvy with it, you know, you can really cut your taxes substantially. You could build you some savings. And then there's other things like health savings accounts and, um, you know, reimbursement for commuting miles, all those things there that you can actually utilize as a benefit uh, from your particular place of work with your personal finances, along, of course, with making money for the job. But that's one of the key things that a lot of people do not take advantage of. And a lot of companies, some companies provide some great information on it, but some of them don't. It's that question that you got to ask for yourself and you got to be great with your finances, be great with your money and go seek out the information, but they will give it to you. They might not offer it up, but you can start asking those questions. Hey, you know, what type of options do I have for a 401k? What type of options do I have for the savings plan that we have here? And then like I say, always speak to a tax professional or speak to somebody who's very, very, very versed in personal finance. Um, I tend to... I'm going to put this out there. I tend to tell people when it comes down to the 401k and things like that, I tend to tell them to kind of stay away from the uh, financial advisors that sell investments because they're going to try to get you to leave your job 401k and sell you on whatever products and services they have, you know? So you have to find somebody that's really want to educate you on it and not just sell you something. So that's why I say speak to somebody in personal that knows some things about personal finance. They can at least give you the, the beginning, um, the beginning knowledge you need to kind of understand that because it's real simple. And what I'll say, guys, I'm going to throw a little bonus in here. I think a lot of people don't really understand this bad money habit. I think it's really critical that that it's really critical that we understand this. And it's going to sound weird because, of course, in personal finance, everybody says, you know, be a miser, get buy stuff cheap, keep your expenses low. But I think a critical one that, that's really good, and I got this one from Business Insider, is talking about absolutely, you know, buying cheap to just save right now, okay? I'm a person that when it comes down to quality and utility, I will shell out the extra money um, because I know that down the line, it's going to cost me more money. So, for example, I use Apple products. I have an iPad, iPhone, I have an iPod, I have a MacBook, I use Apple products because they last for absolutely years. I mean, I have my current MacBook. It's a it's a 2011 model. I think 2011-2012 model. I did some work to it. I had to replace the battery, had to replace the hard drive, things like that. But even though I spent that, you know, thousand plus dollars up front, think about it. I've been using this computer for the last five years and it's a workhorse. I use it every single day. I do all types of videos photos, uh, do this podcast. So that I do all types of things on this MacBook. And it's, it's, it's very, very, very great because I don't have an issue. It just starts up and it goes. Another thing is, is that 
if I'm going to buy clothing, um, I, I wear suits and things of that nature because I do present out to the public. If I buy clothing, I usually tend to buy the more uh, the suits that are a little bit more expensive. That's actually 100% wool. That's actually have the the great stitching in it. That's actually you know tailored because they fit better, they last longer, and they're, they're of higher quality than say if I was just going to buy a cheaper suit. And it's going to last me for years and years and years. Also, with my shoes, I, I tend to buy shoes that, that can be a little bit more expensive. Um, I don't buy a lot of shoes on a regular basis, but I buy the more expensive ones because obviously they'll last you a lifetime. And if you take care of them, especially always in electronics, you know, I'm never for the one to go buy the cheapest electronics. So if I'm going to buy a toaster, I'm going to buy not the $9.95 uh, Black Friday special toaster. I'm going to buy the, the toaster that's made by a reputable brand and I'm going to keep for five to 10 years. Same thing with my urn, same thing with things that I use around the house. I always want to make sure that I sell out the money. I shell out the money for the quality in order to save me over time because I take care of things and I keep things for a really, really long time. And the longer that it lasts, the happier I'm with there. And like I say, you know, I'm not a fanboy on a brand. Some people think that I am, but I just love the actual quality. And that's why, you know, as a prime example is Apple, you know, I've been rocking and rolling with this computer and it looks perfect. It works great. I had some a little work done here and there over the years, but I never had to replace the computer. Before I went to Apple products, I mean, I was replacing my laptop every year to two years because something will happen. You know, it didn't necessarily quite work as well. And, you know, power, uh, the batteries inside would go out. The CPUs would go out, all types of stuff. So that's just a testament of sometimes you have to spend a little bit more money up front to save money in the long run. Thinking of it as though an investment now, I'm not saying that everything that you need to buy need to be the 100% creme de creme, but think about things that you're going to use on an everyday basis and things that you're going to utilize, um, especially if you're a business owner. It's great to try to get that better investment up front. But now, with that being said, that don't mean that you you just spend the sticker price. You still haggle over that price. You still work out the discounts, do what you got to do to save you some money because there and there, you're not going to bring in extra cash flow into your household. So... I hope that's provided some value with regards to bad, these um, these bad money habits that out that are out there that people are utilizing, people that have going on in their everyday lives, and some of the insights that I provide that I tell individuals, you know, hey, I pulled this information from online. Um, I pulled this information from some of my Facebook posts, some of my Facebook messages, Twitter, and things like that, and I just kind of grabbed a few out because I think that's great value. It's just like when you're in a classroom and somebody asks a question that you had kind of had on your mind, but you didn't ask, but somebody asked you before you. That's why I wanted just to kind of be set up for you guys so you can get some value out of this particular podcast. So this is another podcast. Be great with your money in the books. Another episode in the books. Hey guys, I've had great fun. I'm feeling better. I'm so happy I'm off the sickness that I'm not, not laid up in the bed anymore. I'm going to try to grab some uh, food today, have a good time with the wife. So I, I am always enjoying the sharing this information and hoping this provides some great value. And if it does provide you some great value, please feel free to share um, this podcast with somebody if it's going to help them out. Of course, we're on iTunes. You can also check us out on SoundCloud. Hashtag Be Great With Your Money Podcast with I am JD Anderson at I am JD Anderson. 
My name is James D. Anderson. You know, please do us the great favor of taking a couple seconds and just, you know, of course, sharing it, subscribing it, and offering a review on SoundCloud or iTunes. We always greatly appreciate it. And we will talk to you guys on the next episode. Have a great day and be great with your money. This episode of the Be Great With Your Money podcast was brought to you by JDA Solutions, where strategy is how you win financially. Visit jda-solutions.com and click learn more for more information.